0: Greetings, all you sinners and saints and everyone in between those two categories. God is good and all the time. Amen. And we are experiencing this good and wonderful God as we prepare for this coming Advent and Christmas season. As I was riding the tram on to today, I was already beginning to see so many of the beautiful Christmas decorations and the Christmas market ready to go. But as we approach this sermon together, I want to pose a hypothetical question for you. We said God is good. Imagine, if you will, you go home this afternoon and this good and wonderful God whom we have been worshiping together appears to you. Just as you were about to fall into your late Sunday afternoon nap, God the Almighty appears to you and you know it's him. There's no question about it. You're not already sleeping and this is no dream. This is not a hallucination because you drank too much coffee before you left the fellowship today. It's real and God really speaks to you. And he says to you, you, I have a message for you. And God says to you, I want to tell you something I have told no one else on earth. I have not whispered this word to another soul. I have not even whispered this word to my angels in heaven. But I'm here to tell you that at this hour, Tomorrow, the world will end. God says to you that at this very time tomorrow, the sky will be rolled back like a scroll, the trumpet will sound, and the Son of Man in all his glory will come down, his angels with him to judge the living and the dead and to establish his kingdom on earth Forever and ever to reign. This, God says to you, this will take place tomorrow. If you knew that all of this would happen tomorrow, what would you do today? What would you do with these final 24 hours? What would you do? If you knew it was tomorrow, what would you do today? Ponder that question with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we pause in silence for a moment. In silence to think on this question. If we knew the world ends tomorrow, what would we do today? God, as we pause in silence, would you speak to our hearts and our minds? God may we have ears to hear in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I mentioned, I was coming in on tram 11 this morning and passing by the Romer plots in Pauls Kisha, and you can see already the stalls for the Christmas markets. And I thought, well, my wife will be pleased. My wife loves Christmas. I mean, I'm pleased. I love Christmas. I get excited about Christmas, just like the next person, but my wife goes, "Ah, crazy for Christmas. If you were at our apartment for this past Thursday for our American Thanksgiving, you saw just a a glimpse of the madness. She is addicted to Christmas. Many people said, I've never seen so much Christmas decoration in one apartment, but I promise you if you were to come back today, you would see even more (laughs) Christmas decorations. She has a live tree covered from top to bottom with way too many ornaments. She has banners that say Merry Christmas and advent calendars with little bags hanging, waiting for treats for, uh, for the whole family. She has these beautiful garlands draping over entranceways. She has uh, little stuffed animals, and she has some that you press a button and they go, ho, 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 and they sing these obnoxious songs to you. And, and she has all of this wonderful Christmas. Not only does she have one Christmas nativity manger scene, not only does she have two Christmas manger scenes, she has three completely different. And one is a whole village of Bethlehem set up. And yes, we have already been to one Christmas market. She loves Christmas. I do too, but I'm hardwired differently. Like, I, I'm, I am a, a student of church history and theology, and, and biblical scholarship. And so I like to have my Christmas at Christmas, but right now I long for Advent. I, you see, as a, as a lover of history, I recognize and celebrate the, and admire the rhythms and the cycles of the Christian church calendar. You may not know this. The, the world has its calendar, It starts on the 1st of January, it ends on December 31st, but the Christian church likewise has its own calendar. It's different in different parts of the world, but for much of the West, there are these seasons and cycles, these rhythms of the church year. Things like Lent before Easter with Ash Wednesday to kick it all off, seasons of repentance and renewal. Seasons like Pentecost, the birthday of the church. Seasons like Epiphany, the coming of the magi, the wise men from the east. And seasons like what we are about to enter into next Sunday, the season of Advent before Christmas. Technically, Christmas starts on December 25th, and it lasts for, who knows, 12 days, just like the song Taught you when you were a child, if you grew up singing the 12 days of Christmas. I love that song. My favorite line is the five golden rings. I don't remember any of the rest of it. But Advent is important because even as the marketplace and the world kind of gobbles Advent up with Christmas, we as Christians say, but there is this season before Christmas and and let's not forget about it altogether or completely so before next sunday i thought maybe it's good if we think together about the meaning of advent or what is this all about the word itself tells us a lot the word advent means the arrival of or the coming of like you know, the advent of fire, or the advent of the wheel, or the advent of the internet. It's the arrival of something. And so this is a season to prepare for the arrival of what? Of baby Jesus in the manger at Christmas. We are remembering his coming, his advent on earth. But at the same time, we proclaim that Jesus came not just once, but he will come a second time, a second arrival, a second advent, the second coming of Christ. So this season is really all about that. It's not just about preparing for Christmas and wrapping the presents and decorating the trees. It's about preparing our hearts and minds for the return of Jesus at the end of the age. As we said in the beginning, when the trumpet sounds and the sky is opened and the Son of Man, Jesus himself returns in all his glory. Advent tells us that we are living between advents, between times. Between his first coming in Bethlehem as a babe and his second coming in glory to judge the living and the dead, and to establish his kingdom on earth forever. So the real importance of Advent is about, well, what do you do in such a season? And we're going to learn some things this, this next sermon series through, like uh, the symbols of purple and why we light these candles. But there are also practices of Advent, like caring for the needy, Uh, spending more time with loved ones, simplicity in a world of chaos, learning to say, no, you don't actually have to go to every party every night. And where the world says, spend, 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 Advent says, give, give, give. Where the world says, this is a time to take good care of you, Advent says, this is a time to care for others. And we'll learn about all of that, but but today let's focus on one part of this season of preparation. And this is a time for devotion. It's a season in the life of the church where we say, let's have a renewed effort for daily devotional life. A, a daily devotional life means a daily time of prayer, And scripture reflection and I'm gonna tell you we're gonna make it easy for you this year maybe you've tried a hundred times to establish the habit of daily devotion now this year is your 101st attempt if you failed every year Advent is this time to say okay I'm gonna pick myself up and I'm gonna try it again this year daily devotion. And here's how we're going to make it easier for you. Every day in this season of Advent, either through WhatsApp or Facebook, you will find a brief daily devotion. Just a scripture, some thoughts for you to consider, maybe some questions, and a time of prayer. And all you have to do is plug in and plug in. We also have, during this season of Advent, our weekly Wednesday night Bible study. And this is a time at at 6.30 in person at WeWork. Some people say, I can't make it to that. Well, we do it again at 8 o'clock on Zoom. I've heard from several people, by the way, who have said, I don't come to Bible study because my, my English is not so good, or I don't know so much about the Bible. You are welcome to come and say not a word, just listen. In fact, on Zoom, some don't even turn their camera or their microphone on. They just listen, and that's okay. So this season of renewed devotion is all about preparing our hearts and minds because, as we will learn in our scripture today, we never know. We never know when that day or that hour will appear. One of the foundational scriptures for the Advent season is what we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 24. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles or pull this up on your smart devices, you'll also find it on the screen behind me. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 32, Jesus establishes what the church has made as the foundation for preparing for Christ's return in the season of Advent. He starts out where we left off with our little children in the children's sermon. From the fig tree learn this lesson. As soon as its branches becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all of these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Now, like I told the children, you don't really have to be able to predict the future to know winter is coming. Jesus is talking about summer, but, but maybe it's more easily, uh, easy to comprehend when we see the leaves falling and, and we know winter is coming. We can feel it from our fingertips to our toes to the tip of our nose. The world is getting colder in more ways than one, I think. And we sense it. We we smell it in the air. The crispness of winter is growing. And so we don't need a, a weather app to tell us that winter is coming, do we? We can see the signs of the season. We can tell it's coming. Now, winter, it, it may come later than you want or expect. I mean, we may have some, some warm days ahead, but we know it's coming nonetheless. In fact, it may come sooner than we expect. Who knows, we could wake up one day next week and there's ice over everything. I saw today on the sidewalk, they've already salted in preparation. So we don't know when exactly or how exactly, but Jesus says you can look at the way things are in the world and you can know. And I don't just mean watching the news reports or seeing that there are wars and rumors of wars. Number one, first and foremost, because Jesus was born, died, rose again and ascended into heaven, we therefore absolutely know that we are closer. We are so close. But yet even so, we can look at the news and we can wonder and we can speculate and we can feel it. In fact, some days I wish I could feel it more. Some days my first prayer is hurry up, Jesus, and come. Yet, even as we can see and sense that the time is at hand, as Jesus said, he also tells us, but, but, we don't know exactly when. I think this is important. Listen to what he says in verse 36. But about that day and hour, no one knows neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows. I, I think that this is just really, really important to admit that no one knows. Now, I know you can get on the internet and you will find predictions. There are people who make a career out of fear, and they say, ah, I looked at this headline, this clearly fulfills this prophecy, and this headline from the news clearly fulfills that prophecy, and so it's going to be this year. I love to tell the story about my conversation with a Jehovah's Witness, and how she was adamant, convinced, wholeheartedly, that that year was the year of the Lord's return. That was 1998. So some time has passed. And when I quoted to her these words of Jesus, no one knows the day or the hour, not the Son of Man nor his angels, she said to me, and you've probably heard me tell this before, she said, yes, but don't you believe we are closer now than we ever have been before? think about that my friends (laughs) one two three now we are closer than we ever have been before three two one now we're closer than we ever have been before we are always closer but we know not when we know not when He goes on to say, for as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus uses the flood as as an example of people not able to read the signs and not being prepared and being swept away unaware. You got to remember that story of Noah and the ark. There had never been rain before. You imagine how foolish Noah must have been to his neighbors building this great giant boat. There'd never been a boat before. He's lost his mind that Noah, he's building something called a, a boat because he says it's going to rain and that there will be a flood. Ah. And yet, by the time they knew what a, a rain was or a flood was or what a boat was good for, it was too late. Jesus is saying, don't wait until it is too late. And these people were just living life, eating, drinking, partying. But then the floods came. Verse 40 then two will be in the field one will be taken and one will be left two women will be grinding meal together one will be taken and one will be left this verse sparks some people to obsess about the theory of the rapture. And it is really a theory. We know that God is coming back and some will be taken and some will be left. What that will be like, we do not know. But this becomes a distraction from Jesus's point. And what Jesus is telling us really matters, what's really important to learn is that there are two types of people in this world. If you don't learn anything else from his teaching in Matthew, learn this, that there are two types of people. There are the ready and the not ready. That's it. Two categories. Two ways to be in the world. There are those who were ready when Christ returns, and there are those who will not be ready when Christ returns. Maybe, maybe, that should keep us awake at night. But then again, maybe we have peace about our place in that status. If our hearts are troubled, then they are troubled for reason. Are we ready or are we not ready? And if we're ready, then there is, a, there is an, an air of excitement and joy. Like again, we said to the kids, we're ready for the party. And I love a good party. Are we ready to party with Jesus? Verse 42, he gives us this final twist in all of this. Uh, he's talked about how it's definitely coming, but we don't know when. Are we ready? Or are we not ready? Prepared, not prepared. But then he goes one step further, and he likens it to a thief breaking in to your house. Has anyone ever had their house broken into, or your car, or maybe you've been robbed on the bus? You didn't see it coming, did you? If you had seen it coming, it wouldn't have happened, likely. This is what Jesus says, keep awake, therefore, for you do not not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand that if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would, have not, would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is actually quite funny to me. Jesus likens himself to a thief coming in the night. I'm going to break in and you're not going to be ready for me when I come or will you? Will you? It's really about this, this two words, be prepared. I grew up, I was in Boy Scouts, the Boy Scouts of America. There's similar organizations all over the world like Pathfinders here in Germany and Boy Scouts were, were started by a guy named Lord Robert Baden-Powell in the UK and it spread to America and and sooner or later I jumped right in and one of the key lessons in the boy scouts is the boy scout motto which says be prepared Lord Robert Baden-Powell was once asked of what should little boys be prepared for to which he replied Oh, why for any old thing? And that's it. They teach us to think about the world in terms of preparedness, prepared for life, prepared for a career, prepared for college, but also, and what was really more fun for me, is prepared to survive. At any given moment, I have at least two weeks of survival, food and water and things that you need, like wind-up radios that don't require batteries. And you may laugh at that, but I also grew up in a part of the world that has hurricanes every year. And every year I have found the preparation made life better. (laughs) When you have no power, you have no power. When you have no power, you have no power. And so this sense of knowing how to to make food fire without matches, to hunt and gather food, to to be able to build a, a signal tower or light a signal fire, all of this is rooted into my being. So when I became a Christian at age 15 and the preacher told me that there will be a second coming of Christ where he will come and judge the living and the dead, my first thought is how do you prepare for that. What must I do to be prepared? And there are sermons upon sermons of things that we could teach today about preparing for the coming of Christ, but I will name just three. Three essential parts of being prepared. That if we don't know when the hour is coming how do we prepare? First and foremost, and this is almost like a a church no-brainer, is do you believe in Christ? Are you saved? This is the, the first and foremost way to prepare for the coming of Christ. Have you confessed that you are a sinner? Have you asked Christ to forgive you of your sins? Have you accepted this free and wonderful grace gift of forgiveness and salvation? Have you given him lordship over your life? Have you asked him to come into your mind and your heart? Now, I'm not asking, are you perfect? But have you sought the perfection in Christ? And no, you may not be perfect, but it's a a life-changing, absolute necessity to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But even for those of us who are sure of our salvation, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We know that we are are firm and fixed. Our names are written in the book of life. Our destiny is set for eternity. And yet, we too must prepare. I'll ask the question, is your relationship with God where you want it to be? That's a hard question. Is your relationship with Christ where you want it to be, where you think that it should be? In other words, is your prayer life healthy? Do you have this real relationship with God in prayer and in scripture reflection? Are these daily habits, life-giving habits? Do you come and worship and fellowship with believers the way you wish that you would? Are you spending time thinking about God thoughts? Some people call this theology, but that sounds boring, doesn't it? But thinking about God is theology. Are you thinking about his mysteries and his wonders, imagining the kingdom of God living in your life? Are you living your life in agreement with the Lord's prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is to be prepared. And a third way is more of a question. If you are sure of the first and working on the second, and you know you are coming into the kingdom of God, the question is, who are you bringing with you? A third way to prepare for this day and this hour is to make sure that the people in your life are hearing the gospel message who are you bringing with you that that if you had the cure to cancer and your best friend was on their deathbed with this rotten awful evil disease you would not stand by and watch as she or he passed away the third way to prepare for the coming of Christ is to make sure other people are prepared for the coming of Christ. For as we live between times, between his first coming and his second coming, I leave you this morning with that question with which we started. If you knew the world ends tomorrow, what would you do today? And whatever answer you conclude to that question, whatever answer God leads you to, whatever conclusion you make, my friends, whatever it is that you would do if you knew it was the last day, do it now. For the disciple lives with an answer to an unknowable question. If someone asked me, Pastor Mason, okay, we hear you, No one knows the day or the hour, but if you had to guess, when do you think the world would end? To me, there's only one answer. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. The challenge is to live so. Would you take that challenge with me during this Advent season? Let us pray. Lord, What a challenge to live each day as though it's the last. To live our lives with desperation and urgency that we might be prepared. God, we acknowledge we cannot do it. We cannot do this on our own. And so we pray that you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit for the road ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.